Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We are your home for Patriots football, and there's a guy who's been making uh, quite a bit of uh, racket in the Patriots community recently. His name is Seth Wickersham. He's a writer at ESPN, author of a new book on the Patriots and the uh, inner workings of the organization. It's called It's Better to Be Feared. So, Seth, thanks for being with us. How are you? Hey, great. How are you doing? Good. Appreciate you being with me. Look, you've written a lot of long form stories and exposés in your in your career, and you've chronicled some really fascinating subjects. But you've written multiple works on the Patriots. Why has this organization captivated you enough to write about it more than once? Um, they're so great. I mean, that's I, I think it's their sustained greatness that makes it most interesting. And you know, even though the book details you know, some of the arguments and yes, there's cuss words and, you know, but the book essentially is about the ingredients that led to their sustained greatness and what the costs of it were. And I, I think that like, that's always been something that fascinated me. I remember I had just uh, started my career. It was November of 2001. And uh, this was one of my first feature stories for ESPN magazine. And they sent me up to Foxborough to interview you know, the, the, the Patriots quarterback who was filling in for Drew Bledsoe and doing a decent job, this 24-year-old named Tom Brady, and he shows up in a in gray sweatsuits and a backpack that had beer in it because he had lost a Michigan-Michigan State bet. <laughs> and um, I'll never forget, you know, he said during that interview, he said, football's come very easy to me. And uh, at the time, I was like, who is this guy? You know, who says that? He's the hmm. sixth-round pick, and he's skinny, and – at the time, nobody even knew if he would finish the season, but he said it. And it's one of those comments you look back on now and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, he saw all this coming. You know, Belichick says he's never spoken to you, even though he has. Brady says everything that he hears. It's not all true. So how exhausting is it to have to defend your work like you've had to over the last couple of weeks? Um, I've done investigative work for a long time. And that's one thing you realize is that that's kind of part of the process is that, you come out with things and there's this initial kind of wave of denials or fake news or whatever, this, that, and the other. And then it all kind of bears itself out over time. And so it's not something that I lose sleep with. And, um, you know, I actually think that Tom did a pretty good job of threading the needle because he, he didn't deny any of my reporting, but he also didn't elaborate on anything either. And so at 44 years old, he's a pretty good veteran of this. And I thought it was pretty nifty what he did. How long did it take you to write the book and approximately how many interviews did you conduct for it? Yeah, I mean, I wrote the book over the course of the past year. Um, and in the interviews, I did a lot of interviews, many interviews just for the book. But one thing I did was that I've covered the NFL for ESPN since 2001, like I said. And, you know, if there's a if there's a journalism lesson in there, it's, it's never throw away a notebook. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I, did, I never thought that I would go back and end up you know, mining into those old notebooks to find things. But it not only helped me because I was around the Patriots for a lot of the critical moments throughout over the years and was able to to write about them in detail, but it also helped me realize that, you know, every time I was writing about Peyton Manning, I was kind of writing about the Patriots because yeah. the Patriots were so dominant that you could only view other people's accomplishments within the context of their greatness. You wrote that the Brady-Belichick relationship changed after the Falcons' Super Bowl, after the 28-3 comeback. Did Brady change himself, or did those around him kind of force him into changing? I think it's both. But, you know, Tom went along with it. I mean, he he started 
marketing his business more. And he did the Tom versus 12 or Tom versus time documentary, you know, of which the Patriots were only nominally aware. And at the same time, you just had all these other forces. You know, you had Jimmy Garoppolo still on the roster and Belichick refusing to trade him until the very last second because he was invested in him. You had Belichick banning Alex Guerrero, you know, curtailing his access from the team because, you know, the TB12 method and the Patriots doctors were were at odds with each other and he felt like he needed to draw some sharp boundaries. Um, and then on top of it all, you, you just, some you know, me and other people wrote about some of those problems at the time and then they lose the Super Bowl. Brady, when he's back in the facility, tells people he's not coming back and, you know, he skipped the entire voluntary offseason program that year. He was the only starting quarterback in the NFL to do that. Seth Wickersham, ESPN, and also an author of the New Patriots book, It's Better to Be Feared. You know, the idea of player empowerment seems like it's kind of at the crux of this. And we've seen that in the NBA, I would say at least for the last decade, you know, Chris Paul, Dwight Howard kind of trying to call their shots. It's been more slow moving in the NFL. How difficult is it for somebody like Bill Belichick to accept this, you know, this new phenomenon that really wasn't around for much of his coaching career? Well, I can't speak for Bill exactly on that. I know that there are some coaches who are like, look, we can't have it be where every teammate thinks they need to have the quarterback believing in them. Otherwise they're not going to get a roster spot, you know? And I, and I understand some of that. I do think that for certain players, when you have a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers, I mean, these are all time great players who are at the end of their careers. And so I think that you're as in management, you're going to be judged by how many Super Bowls you win with those guys while you have them. And that's really it. (laughs) And so if they want to be more involved in certain things that involve their job, after all that experience and, and, and great play, you know, I think that my personal opinion is I think that they should be let in on the process. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers felt like he was not. And I think that Tom Brady and Tampa Bay's it's different than it was in New England. I don't think it was quite fair what Alex Guerrero said about Belichick that he failed to evolve. But look, you know, Tom weighs in on a lot of things. He's not just the quarterback. He's also the de facto offensive coordinator. He's a pseudo executive. Mm-hmm. And Alex Guerrero has an office in the Bucks building and got a Super Bowl ring. The same Alex Guerrero that Belichick mm-hmm. once curtailed access from. What was Robert Kraft's role in everything? Because I'd have to imagine that, you know, he said he loves Brady like a son. I'd have to imagine he could have kept him and overridden any Belichick decision, but yet he didn't. What was Robert Kraft's role in all this? Well, he's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame because, A, he pulled off the best trade in NFL history when he traded for Belichick, and B, he was able to keep this band together as long as he as he did. It doesn't mean that there weren't management challenges or moments of exhaustion or impatience at times, but he did a a pretty masterful job of doing it. And at the end, though, I mean, it was an organizational decision that the Patriots were just not really willing to commit to Brady until he was age 45. I think they wanted to, you know, see him year by year. And Brady had not only made it his goal to play until he was age 45, he had made it a a business case. And I think he felt like that, look, after what I've done, I deserve that. And, you know, I deserve maybe like uh, the benefit of the doubt with this. And in August of 2019, he and the Patriots were negotiating a contract. It wasn't going well. He almost left camp out of frustration. And he ends up signing a deal that allows him to be a free agent at the end of the year. 48 hours after that deal is announced, he and his wife put their Brookline, Massachusetts house up for sale. 
And he's later said publicly he knew that his time in New England was over, This that that would be his last year. What was the most interesting thing that didn't make the book? <laughs> I mean, it's 500 pages, so I I, I didn't leave a whole lot out. And yeah. um, I'm not sure I have anything off the top of my head. I mean, if, if there was something interesting, I really tried to put it in there because I thought that it revealed something about, you know, these main characters that added to the public's knowledge of them. Did any of the three Brady, Belichick, Kraft come out looking better or worse than you expected going in? Um, I, I you know, uh, to a certain extent, I'm the wrong person to ask about that. But nobody has read the book who has read the book, who's a friend of mine, a critical reader. Anybody thinks that it's a negative book about Belichick, Brady or Kraft. I mean, I think that what I tried to do is as best I could try to show what they are like and make it a real book and show what it's like to work at the feet of a football genius like Belichick and, and all of the, the blessings and the curses of that and show what it's like to, to be around Tom Brady and, and his acclamation to fame and his desire to continually push the boundaries of what's possible and where that comes from and what that builds in you and what it strips away. Those are the things I tried to show. Seth Wickersham with us here on the Brady Farkas show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV radio.com. Brady and Belichick spoke for 20 minutes after the week four matchup down and kind of in the bowels of Gillette stadium. Do you think that either of them probably got closure from that conversation? And do you think either one of them needed closure more than the other? I mean, it seemed like that Brady did. I mean, I believe that he's the only one who's kind of spoken about it. And even so he's done so in pretty vague terms, but I thought that the rawness, you know, from the divorce was a little bit more on the Brady side than on the Belichick side. And mm -hmm. you, know, you kind of saw that with, some of the mild but noteworthy things that his dad said or that Alex Guerrero said leading up to the game. And so, you know, whenever I've been asked about their relationship, no matter how often these two guys might get on each other's nerves or whatever it was, I've always felt that there's a love there. And I think that that meeting and the way that the terms that Brady spoke about it coming out of that, you know, shows that there is that affection there. And you know, even if they're two very different people, they accomplish something amazing together. And, you know, one day we're in there in the hall when they're inducted into the Hall of Fame. You know, Brady will use that word love to describe Coach Belichick. And I believe that Belichick will use the same word to describe Brady. Do you think that Brady retires as a Patriot, even if just on a one day ceremonial contract? That's a great question. I guess it's up to him. I really don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that he'll have that option, but maybe he'll want to do that. Maybe he won't. I, I honestly have no idea. Well, Seth, we appreciate your time today. Appreciate the work. It's a fascinating book. I'm looking forward to reading it myself. It's called It's Better to Be Feared. There's a lot of Patriots books out there. This is another one to add to my collection, so I'm looking forward to it. Seth Wickersham, author and writer. We appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.